Indian and cowboy, indigenous, independent, and listener-supported, rooted firmly at the intersection between digital media, podcasting, and indigenous storytelling. Chelsea was mentioning uh, in our intro that we just cut <laughs> that uh, we're going to have 50 episodes by the end of this. 50. Five zero, half a hundred. Yeah, that's huge. Imagine if we get to a hundred and then we can have a centennial. Oh my goodness. What do we even do for a centennial? I, I can't even imagine. Has the queen, has the queen done that? The queen. Has, a, has she had a centennial? She probably has like a centennial brooch. I guess brooch. brooch. Oh, I don't want anything from her at all. No, no, no. But, but I, I mean, I mean like, like a, she's got all this like, like protocol and like, and, and fanciness around every event i think we should design ourselves some sort of you know you know who's had a centennial ryan mcmahon has had a podcasting centennial seriously yeah because he puts out at least 10 episodes a season and he's i know he's like way more on the ball than we are yeah and i mean if you count the podcasts that he like hosts yeah and like supports we should ask him we should ask him what he'll do for our centennial Make it rain, Ryan! I'm <laughs> ready, Ryan. Church hang. A hundred hundred dollar bills just flying from the sky. Oh my god, that'd be incredible. We want you Bordens. to shoot them the out. Borden, that's a hundred? I, I don't know, probably. Give me the Bordens. Bathing in the Bordens. <laughs> it just doesn't sound as good. A bathtub full of Bordens. I was thinking about that, how like, the, you know, people are like, I just want some dead presidents. And we're like, we just want some dead prime ministers. But then I think people take that amiss and like assume that we mean bad things. I don't, I don't see what's. I know, right? I know, but actually, like, can you imagine just walking around in in Canada being like, "Give me some dead prime ministers," and like, CSIS would be like, "What? What? (laughs) What? Somebody, somebody, get that down. Somebody, got that down." This Put slang, on the warrant. <laughs> the slang does not necessarily transfer across the medicine line. That no, way. no, we, we'll need to normalize it. I yeah, think is, I think we just have to start happen. using it. All right, so we we launched our uh, our fifth season with a live show. So yeah. I missed a lot of the events leading up to this because I am a giant wuss who has to go to bed early. But uh, Molly's going to tell you about some of the cool stuff that went on. Yeah, so it was the Exploring the New R&R, the Resistance and Resilience of Indigenous Women Symposium. Uh, which is hosted by the Indigenous Women and Youth Resilience Project at the Faculty of Native Studies. Represent! Yeah, which is this incredible initiative. Uh, and so, you know, we had a bunch of folks come out from Aotearoa, which was very cool. That Some was so folks who were in the this audience. the best. Including Linda Smith. Who we were just talking about. We were super glad that we were not aware she was in the audience at the time we were recording. Yeah. Because we would have been way more awkward. Very intimidating. Yeah. Um... But yeah, we definitely, we were like, I wonder if she was there. And then we like Googled her picture and we were like, oh, oh my, my gosh. <laughs> we knew exactly who it was. We're like, oh, she seemed to be into it. <laughs> we hope you were into it, Linda. It's all good. You're cool. Um, yeah, so there was uh, Linda Smith, uh, the Beaver Hills Burlesque 
troupe, uh, who are some incredible indigenous uh, burlesque performers. Uh, Lana Whis Whiskey Jack, uh, Roxanne Tatusis, um, Carrie Thompson, uh, Kucha Riesling Baldy, um, and just like, yeah. Is it Kirsten Lindquist too? Kirsten, Kirsten uh, performed uh, her burlesque. Oh, okay. Pemmican Milkshake. Pemmican Milkshake. That yeah. sounds disgusting. Brings all the decolonization to the yard, I think. Right. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever eat that, but I would definitely watch that burlesque show. I mean, if it if it brought decolonization to the yard, I would 100% oh, give it a try anyway. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Sorry for the audio. It's super, super echoey. We were in this huge open room that echoed anyway. Every sound anybody made, if there was like the slightest fart, it just like bounced from wall to wall to wall. Which was actually really great because then you couldn't tell who dealt it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So really it was just a mercy for all of us. <laughs> Particularly me. Yeah. I'm so, very gassy. <laughs> we were, we were mic'd up and it's going to be real echoey. Yeah. Enjoy and uh, welcome to our fifth season of Métis in Space. 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 Dancing into them Chelsea Vaughn needs you guys on. Uh, most we need you guys on. Mantusa Kaik Nitotsen. Oh, Tusquanik Nitotsen. Hey, we got it. Welcome to Otpem Suasquewa Kitsi Kitsi Gog Mitsi in Space. Space, 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 space. All right. Okay, let's get going. So, uh, season five, this is our, our first episode of season five. Who knew it would go on this long? Not us. I, I mean, I. Expect it never. Uh, so we we uh, last season we really focused on indigenous content, either the creators uh, or the majority of uh, actors, anything like that, except for Apocalypto, which is well, the majority of actors yeah, in Apocalypto, guess, yeah, just because they weren't indigenous from the place that they were supposedly in, just because Mel Gibson is a huge pile of. It's fine. Uh, yeah, but so we decided we had so much fun with that one, and we probably got just a ton of stuff wrong, right? Like we watched. Movies. Uh, we watch Navajo movies. We watch Maori films. Yeah. What do uh, we know? Nothing. We don't know anything. Absolutely not. Uh, so we probably made a lot of mistakes in there. Uh, but you but know, we that's had fun doing it. Part of the fun. Yeah. So we wanted to keep this going, and I think you know, from now on, we're going to try to get a good mix, right? Mm. Because there's a lot of, uh, shall I say, interesting stuff coming out now. You know, I, did folks see the, the Westworld episode? The Indigenous Westworld episode, right? Like that was there was a lot to talk about in there. It we was very it. interesting to watch. Yeah. Uh, so there is, there's still stuff coming out and still stuff that we want to talk about that's made by non-Indigenous people, but we want to, we want to throw some stuff in there because not only is the Indigenous made stuff just, you know, amazing, yeah, blasts everything else out of the water, but, you know, it's also great to get those Indigenous filmmakers, actors, producers, writers, their names out there, mm. right? Because we're not, we're not hearing about these people. Well, we're starting to hear about them more and more, but we want to be part of that, that process. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, we love to complain. But it was pointed out to us, uh, sometimes you need to also build up. So we are building up and complaining. Yep. Complaining about building up. No, we're enjoying that part. Okay, so uh, we watched three shorts. Uh, kind of hard to see, but they were there. They were watched. Uh, the first bit, okay, let's talk about the VR. Yeah. Yeah, that VR experience was wild. So um, as I mentioned before with my video of me screaming about uh, seeing stuff on VR, um, I, I tend to not, like, both, like, not want to miss anything, but as a huge wuss, I was really afraid to sort of look away from the main action in case I came back and there was something, like, right in my face. That's a good point. Uh, but I did notice that when our friend who very generously lent us, uh, their phone was watching it, 
um, they were like turning all the way around and like checking stuff out and, yeah. and doing the whole thing. So I think there was there was stuff actually going on behind me that I missed out on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the action at the front was like more than enough. Yeah, uh, it was wild. Well, I, I, I when I watched it this morning just to test it out, turn around. There's like fires burning and stuff. Yeah, it was very great. It was very great. Um, okay, so. Did you did you get motion sick or maybe you didn't move around enough? I don't think I moved around enough uh, to get to get real motion sick. Uh, but there was like there was a good amount of action. Yeah. Uh, so it's a uh, Ganyangahaga, or it's a movie that takes place on Ganyangahaga territory, and it's Ganyangahaga or Mohawk people uh, who are sort of the, the main the main characters, and they're uh, out hunting. Um, and it looks like somebody has a crossbow and somebody had a rifle. And it turns out that they're laser crossbows and rifles. Yeah, I love that. I which love that. I think we should actually just like get on inventing. I, I'm, I'm sure the technology already exists. Well, then we just need to apply yeah, it. We do. I'm ready. So, okay, so at the beginning, uh, so I saw it first this morning and I wasn't really sure what was going on, but in the beginning, um, sort of flying in, which is really disorienting because you look down, you realize you're above, you're not actually on the ground. Uh, and what I think was happening there is we were following the trajectory of the drone that shows up. Because mm. it's like flying in over, the, over like, it, it actually looked like part of K-Town there with the, yeah. Right, it probably was. Yeah, it was yeah. totally K-Town. Um, okay, so the, uh, we see two people sitting in hay. There's a man and a boy, uh, and they're, they're waiting to, like, hunt geese. I, I like the hay thing because it's, like, a, a relatively comfortable place to wait. It like, itchy, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. you know, but better than, like, sitting on a rock. Yeah, and, and it's, like, it, it's, not, it's not all wet. Yeah, so maybe that's how we're going to hunt in the future. Just, like, you know, haul out some piles of hay. Or just put it, put it in our backpacks. Yeah. Just, like, have a thing on the bottom of the backpack where you just open it up. The hay and the hay out, just comes and out, you sit your and butt then you in dive it. into it. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah, if it rains, you're not going to have a good time, but otherwise, yeah. it's great times. The future does not mean that you have to, like, have everything, like, super space. Hay is also in the future. Yeah. Hey. All right, so we see the geese fly in. That was really, was that something? Yeah. When yeah. you were watching, you were like, yeah, uh, <laughs> I just I, when I was watching it, I was like geese, and I'm like staring at them and not looking at the people. It was just yeah, really totally. I was like, geese. what are these geese going to do? Are they space geese? Do they have lasers? Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm sorry to say that our our Mohawk friends not good hunters in this. No, no, they miss, but you, you know you can't win all of them. But turns out that's not what they're really hunting. Oh. It was all a ruse. Yeah, that was sweet. So yeah. this drone flies in, and it looks like some sort of, like, super authoritarian dystopian state drone. It's this big black ball with sort of, like, a light that goes around it that's, like, its eyeball, staring, searching for natives. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, Buddy stands up, and he's like, you know, we're on sovereign territory. We have a right to hunt. But also, here's my permit. Yeah. Okay, and that, like... Mohawk do not like paperwork. They don't like those permits. Yeah, that, so. That's your first uh, yeah, clue, clue that something is really <laughs> off, right? He's got a permit. No, he doesn't. No, this is wrong. So he holds it up, gets it scanned. It's all looking good. And then good. behind him in the corner, somebody else. Was it also hay that they jump out of? There's just like, yeah. they have so much hay. There was so much hay. And Ganawage. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I, I didn't know. They've got, they've got like rowing boats and, and like little running paths and stuff. It's kind of a nice reserve. Yeah. It's and hay. Just hay everywhere. Hay. Yeah. So person leaps out of the hay, shoots down the drone. With a laser crossbow. Yeah. I, I can't get over that. I know. That was the best. Pew, pew. And then the scene switches. And for me, this is where things got super, super trippy. Uh, it's, I think it's like, it's supposed to be an image of a longhouse, but it's sort of like refracted almost. And it's like, you're going into this longhouse and it's like, and it was it was very uh, 
it was sort of like a live action yellow submarine feeling where you're like, what is going on? Where am I? Am I being transformed? Why is this happening? Uh, like almost Eschger-esque. Is that the one with the, you know, the stairs and there's people like, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, sweet. Yeah. yeah. Fine art, you know? Um, um, yeah. Okay. So she shoots it down and they, uh, they okay. So they head out into this like cool sort of fortress and it looks like yeah. it's either winter. There's no snow on the ground though, eh? But this is like outside of Montreal, so it's not necessarily like so fall. No, no leaves on the trees. It's looking kind of desolate. But I think that was on purpose. I think it was supposed to be kind of like apocalyptic looking. Yeah, arid. Yeah, and they got like these cool, this cool like uh, bridge and all oh, these, yeah. you know, fortresses and stuff like that. Um, so they go in, and yeah, you see that sort of dome longhouse. Yeah, it's looking real space. And then uh, they, they talk to somebody who, in very Mohawk fashion, mocks the boy who didn't shoot the, the, the geese, <laughs> puts him in his place, keeps him humble, and then uh, whips open this thing, and they have a bunch of the orbs. And you're like, hey. Yeah, and then this, so this was like the best and also the most Mohawk thing I've maybe ever seen in a sci-fi film. The orbs all start coming to life, and instead of the like sort of light blue or white light that goes around the drone, uh, as they rise up, the light turns into the purple of the Haudenosaunee flag, like the flag of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, bright purple. Yeah, the drones are working for the Mohawks. That's now. right. That's right. But okay. But in the in the VR, um, you you see her walking along, and it's really weird because she's like in your face, and you can turn around and see her point of view. So there's two ways that you can watch that VR. Like you're either like staring at her, and it's really weird. She's like literally in your face, and you. You can't back up because it's like a screen, but you can turn around and you're and you're seeing exactly what she's seeing as she's walking, which was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Then she walks in, she's like, "Rise up," you know, and then and then they're like, uh, "Yeah, we're we're just it's it's almost a whole fleet. We're almost ready." And what are they gonna do? What are the Mohawk gonna do? Who knows? Who kno- Wait, we all know. Yeah, we all know. <laughs> we all know. So that was amazing. That was great. I really yeah. appreciated that. So, you know, also, was that the one that was made in, in forty eight hours? No. Okay. No, we one didn't, of, one we of didn't these is a forty eight hour. Well, we didn't we didn't screen no. that one. No, oh, it's, God, a, it's so, another one. There's oh, so no. many. There's so many great yeah. films. By we could have done more. Oh my God. There's only so much time in a day. Uh, but you guys are cool with staying for an extra day. We'll just watch them all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about. Do we want to like go into that a bit more? We want to talk about the other ones and then come back and like process. Well, why don't we, like, I don't know. I kind of want to talk about what VR can do for Indigenous okay. filmmaking a little bit, honestly, right. before we, we move on. Let's do um, it. So for the people who've done the VR, uh, and I guess also for the people who haven't, it's really immersive. Like, you really feel like you're in there and, like, your body's kind of in there. In this, but your body this isn't way. there. I can't yeah. get over that. You yeah, don't see your hand. This, like, disembodied sort of figure, but it's it's very immersive. Like, you like feel like you're, world. you're really, yeah, you're really in there. Um, and so it also, like, in this way that is not real, it also feels a little bit more interactive. Uh, so one of the things that I know that folks have been talking about from a tech point of view in terms of uh, sort of, like, the social implications of tech is the power of VR to sort of transform or articulate experiences of the other for people. Uh, And I don't know entirely how I feel about this, but the idea would be that you would go into this VR experience and your character would be experiencing something uh, from the point of view of somebody that you are not, like a different social position. So you could experience what it would be like if you're non-Indigenous to be an Indigenous person walking down the street and experience... I know, that was my thought as well. 
But there's a lot of people who think that this is a way to sort of shorten that distance and to communicate experiences in a new way, which I found really interesting. And I didn't really get until I put the VR on. It's not something I still think is necessarily a great idea, but you can really see how creators might want to take something like that up. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting because, you know, read a lot of sci-fi, watch a lot of sci-fi, and so we've seen sort of like articulations of VR carried over to a very extreme where you would, you include the sensory information and uh, and things like that. And I could see it being like I found – so with, with this, you can download comfort levels. So the stuff that we downloaded to, to try out was like at the easiest comfort level but uh, because we're huge wimps. And that included like dinosaurs up in your face, right? That was a little much for us. So I can't even imagine what the extreme stuff is. Um, I, I could find it being pretty traumatic, actually. Yeah. And also that idea of like stepping into the into the place of the other I, it can be just as voyeuristic and gross as anything non-Indigenous peoples have done about us before. Like anyway. Well, to me, it seems like a bit of it seems like they're almost going about it the wrong way. I think. Well, and I, I don't know. I don't I don't do a lot of like film theory or anything, so I don't want to talk over necessarily the people that are supportive of this. But you know, ra- like I think one of the issues is is that. People just need to believe marginalized people when we tell you what we're experiencing, yeah, exactly. right? The issue yeah. is not like you need to yourself experience it so that you, you don't need to translate it into your own sort of like... You don't have to role view. play us. Yeah. In order to like respect what it is that we're telling you is true and going on and a problem, right? Yeah. So I don't know. It seems okay, but to me who like cares about that? a shortcut. Who cares about right? that? Let's talk about indigenous peoples using this kind of thing. Yeah. Like... Okay. I, I loved it because there was a lot of, like, in-jokes there that we only get because we lived in Mohawk territory for a while, yeah, yeah. right? Like, just the colors, just some of the humor, the, the the way that they interacted. I mean, it was all very quick. It was, like, six minutes. Yeah. But it was, like, so quintessentially Mohawk. And so that you could put that in there and make it recognizable to other people, uh, like, who know you. I think I think speaking to one another in this way is so much more important than what anybody else from the outside gets out of it. And also the fact that we can access that technology in ways that are still culturally relevant. That film, that entire piece was totally about the constant uh, desire of the Mohawk to subvert the state mm-hmm. and to and to take you know take control of technology that's used to surveil them mm-hmm. and just all of these all of these themes right so um, packing that in very densely into six minutes um, is something that I think only people from the culture can do so I would love love to see more indigenous people packing that kind of stuff in yeah speaking of let's move to the let's way more in. all right okay so yeah Dennis Goulet, that was so that was actually because Dennis is uh Dennis is Métis. She's from Manitoba. So it's interesting that she, she did that. She must have had, like, a lot of input from, yeah. I think, the actors themselves, too. Yeah, because right. it was all in the language, too. Yeah, it was, so. yeah, they did it in their language. And so the next one, though, is really, like, Cree Métis. Yes. Um, and scary as heck, like I said. I'm really glad that it was, like, full day. I could hardly see it because yeah. the and, atmosphere and was... also just, like, completely, like, a completely very different, different film. Uh, you know, she takes us from sort of outside, rural, semi-rural sort of uh, setting um, in obviously Ganyangahaga territory. And then this film is in, it seemed like, I was going to say Vancouver, honestly. Uh, but it could be, you know, any big city. And I didn't see any defining features. No. It was just like a city. But like, yeah, this urban, 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 urban dystopia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we see this girl. She's got bow and arrow. I'm like, is it a laser bow? But like, no, probably not. No, I, unless I the, the arrows transform into laser arrows, which, she's which would be them, amazing. Which would also be star. Yeah, we could also invent those. We could do that. Let's do it. Um, okay, so it, it's kind of confusing at first. It's just I think it's a lot about building up the atmosphere, the music, 
Um, the scenes, it's, it was very dark. She was kind of going into these old abandoned buildings. You know, there were other people, but there were sort of like, there, you know, there wasn't any contact there. It was kind of scurrying away. Mm-hmm. People are a little bit freaked out by her. I mean, she's carrying a bow and arrow. She's pretty badass, right? But I mean, but it also seems like there's, you know, something about her. What yeah. could it possibly be? Exactly. We find out later, but, you know, there's there's something, right? Yeah. She can she can move through that urban landscape, right? And this is, this is one of those, this is actually something I really, really liked about that film, because there's still this idea here that Indigenous people are not really at home in the city, right? Even if we're born and raised urban, mm. that, like, our place is, is outside of the city only. We can't be comfortable here. This isn't really our space. It's a white space, the city, right? It's not for Native people. And there's a division between the city and the land as though the city doesn't exist on the land, right? When people talk about being on the land, they never mean being in the city, even though you can go out to the River Valley, you know, do your ceremony, do your offerings. There is the land. I mean, we've picked medicines on campus here. Oh, yeah. You don't even have to, you know, like, you can pick medicines growing out of the sidewalk, right? Yeah. It's, and, and people do, and people are like, you know, this this is also our territory. Yeah. Right? And you stop maintaining that that division and and I mean like you just let it go and very quickly nature takes back over, the land takes back over, and we all know that. So that division's very artificial and I, I like I like every time that somebody challenges that or problematizes it. Mm-hmm. All right. Flashlight, she's looking around. Yeah, she's looking around. There's spookiness. It's, yeah, I was, this is one of those times where I was, like, really happy that you couldn't really see very much uh, because, oh, my God, like, the jump scare thing, I know that, like, horror fans think that it's overplayed. It gets me every time. I know. Even when there's that music build up and you're like, the and jump you know scare's going to happen three, two, one, and then I still get scared. This is why we do not, like, ever uh, cover horror films. People are always suggesting these scary films. That sound like, great. Like, we just got one that uh, somebody gets possessed by, like, an evil Navajo spirit and goes on a killing rampage which that is like fully in our lane except for the fact that it would be terrifying no to watch. i can't i can't watch that yeah I so if like anybody it. else wants to take it on uh, somebody else yeah. hey you yeah, should do yeah, a yeah. horror podcast that deals with all the stuff we are too chicken to watch <laughs> that would be amazing It'd bravery be like, in space bravery in space 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 all right so she's looking around um she opens up a door and it she pulls off some it you know what it actually looked like to me was like uh, old sweetgrass. There was like a, mm. there was like yeah a tie of sweetgrass there. She pulls it off and it's it's almost like a hint, right? Yeah, and she ties it she ties it around her ankle. No, she no, actually has yeah. I, I was able to see. That's why I popped oh. up here. So she what she actually did is she took some fur and tied mm. it around her ankle. Interesting. Why? Why would wow. she do that? Wow. Okay. Let's find out. So uh, she opens the door and it's cold. Right, right away you notice that it's cold, and it's, I would say, like, it's winter in there. Even though there were trees growing, yeah. it's a theater, but there are these green trees growing with, with leaves and everything, but it's cold, and this is important because uh, it being winter is actually super central to us. Yeah. So she walks in, uh, and it's, it's kind of an abandoned-looking theater, um, really, you know, creepy decrepit, as... and, you know, that... That classic, you know, you're walking into a theater, but you're in a horror movie. What does the theater look like? That's exactly what it looks like. Um, she sees a guy tied to a chair. Yeah. And uh, basically, then this is where it gets super freaky. Uh, because then you hear, I think it's the, the person says, it eats us one by one. That's when I was like, I did not sign up for this, actually. I'm going to, like, yeah, what have so I done? She asks, and, and this is great because uh, she uses the Cree term, we have to go. Um, often in, in a lot of a lot of films, we see the Windigo, uh, the Anishinaabe version of this uh, creature, talked about, and always 
quit, well, I mean, almost always they get it wrong. They, they have this strange idea of what it is. Mm-hmm. But this is a cultural, and, and not a monster. Like, it's more complex than that. But the Lithago in, in, in Cree Métis and Anishinaabe culture is a very powerful being. So she's hunting this being. Yeah. And do we want to talk about about winter? Yeah. Winter is important here. So in 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 the film, um, she mentions one of our cultural heroes, and because it's not it's not winter, uh, we're not going to name that person because uh, protocol says you only talk about these people in the in the winter. So we're just going to refer to that cultural hero as elder brother. Yeah. Uh, and that's part of the, you know, and that's why it's winter in that theater, right? Exactly. Because then that allows that story to be told then, right. in, yeah. in that, through that medium. No matter when you watch it. Doesn't yeah. have to be, it doesn't have to be winter where you are. They can say it then, but we can. Yeah. So. Which I thought was actually like a very, because I didn't, I didn't realize that until you had brought it up, but that's like a really, really interesting way of sort of getting around that, right? Like being able to tell these stories in a way that's going to be, you know, anybody can access it. Anybody can sort of engage with that story at any time of year but you're still following protocol when you do Mm -hmm. like that's sweet yeah and that's exactly it is how do you do that when you're you know when it's a film or something like that and i think i think they dealt with it Mm -hmm. so yes it eats us one by one the seats were all full so there's another there's a woman there too who is also tied there's so there's the 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 guy and and this woman we're the only ones left yeah and then you that's when you start getting the crunching sounds yeah Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's munching. It's crunching. There's bones. There's gnashing of teeth, probably. Right? And they and they ask her, are you elder brother? Which is interesting because everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people mistakenly believe that elder brother is always male. But elder brother often changes gender, uh, form from humans. Tra- it, elder brother transforms a lot. So the fact that the protagonist in this was visibly a woman, but being identified as elder brother was cool. Yeah. And I, I mean, it also points to the fact that, you know, in Cree, um, like, Cree mostly uses gender gender neutral pronouns, right? Yeah, so, like, there's a lot of stories where elder brother's gender maybe has no role at all, right? And so you don't know. So it's, it's a lot. I think that really points to kind of what the bias is in your mind if you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That yeah. sort of, what is it, that like male, that assumption of maleness or whatever? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, are you going to save us? And she shushes them. And then you hear the gross noises. And uh, and then that creepy voice, which I cannot do justice to, but it's yeah. like, speaks in Cree, right? Welcome to my home. Uh, you know, to wow. And, uh, and, and Elder Brother's like, I've been seeking you. Um, you know, we're not afraid of you anymore. Just like really like bold talk, right? Yeah. Because long ago your hunger was feared, but no more. Yeah. Uh, Elder Brother's like, the occupiers are more feared than you are what a diss yeah yeah like can you imagine going in for the being one of the most fearsome creatures being told we don't even care about you anymore yeah (laughs) like people that aren't even from here are scarier than you loser (laughs) that's so mean but yes definitely a provocation yeah i would not say that um yeah and so the way to go talks about how uh, you know, it's it's using this palace as as its new forest to, to lure people in and to and to be able to consume them because the forests are done. So this is interesting. The idea that also we can still be hunted in an urban landscape, that we can still be held accountable, um, that our cultural heroes can exist in an urban landscape. All of that was very interesting to me too. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, "This is no palace. This is your prison." Yeah, but soon it becomes. Her prison because she gets captured 
shackled to that chair, just like everybody trap. else. Yeah, yeah, she gets she gets caught in a trap. Yeah, but she's sneaky, and it only catches the fur. She slips out of it, and that's why she put the fur on. She knew. How did she know? Because she's elder brother. Yeah, getting out of the tough scrapes, right? And he's like, "You don't smell like the others." I mean, I don't know. I don't know what that. Maybe, maybe she just smelled really good. Maybe because yeah, if that's the case, she definitely smells nothing like me. But, uh. <laughs> All right, uh, and then there's a chase scene. Yeah, um, all sorts of scary stuff that I was just kind of like, it's gonna be okay, it's gonna be okay. And then uh, there she is, at just just about to exit the building, and there's soldiers there. Yeah, and they're like, and she she draws her bow and she's she's pointing it at the two soldiers, and she's like, which one do I go for? Am I gonna be able to do this? And and all you can kind of see is the flashlight, and then behind the two soldiers, rising up, is the way to go, and just. Crunch, 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 yummy occupiers. Crunch, crunch, crunch. That we're being so musical this episode. Center. Yeah. So with the go, even though they've got this like long going, you know, thing going on, with the go is like, yeah, but I hate these guys too. Crunch. Yeah, that was and, my favorite part. Honestly. And that and that is what you do. That is what you do. Yeah. You can hate each other, but it's still like you, you wanna you wanna crunch the occupiers and then get back to your your like rivalry. Yeah. Crunch the occupiers first. The yeah. enemy of the enemy is your snack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then, crunch, 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 the way to go disappears. Yeah, they stare at each other for a while. There's a bright light. The way to go's gone. And so are the occupiers. <laughs> <laughs> it's the start of a beautiful friendship. Just yeah. Probably not. Um, All right. But yeah, so that that was the awakening, and that's another one. You know, that was what like eight minutes or something. Yeah. I, and the moral Jammed. of the story is, you don't have to get along to overcome colonialism. Yeah, a lesson for us all. Mm-hmm. 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 All right, all right. <sighs> Crash site, Sonia Ballantyne. Man, Sonia's so cool. Sonia does a lot of uh, uh, comic book superhero stuff. That's kind of like what this was. Um, and just like is such a super nerd, which I, I just appreciate. Yeah, so we much. really we're really into that. Yeah. Uh, so Crashlight again, a completely completely different kind of film, mm-hmm. um, and one that I think is you know there's I think there's also just a lot going on here, and it's something that I like hope that a hundred years from now people are going to watch and be like I have no idea what's going on here. Yeah, but also very like. Cream AT perspective, yeah. which I, I don't. It's not like we were going for a theme, but we got the theme. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're in Winnipeg, uh, which is you know Nietzsche Central, and uh, we see this woman going up. Okay, so first there's like this comic book opening. Yeah, um, I love that. That yeah. was super cool. It was really fast though. Like I yeah. read really fast, but I was like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, awful uh, origin story, I guess. Basically, where her the, these these sisters, the parents, Diana. In a crash. But, but it also has sort of a, a bit of a foreshadowing piece uh, where the children will arrive from the skies to lead. Mm. Right? And See, then you get that. this car crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the page flips or whatever, and you, you're still in sort of this, this comic book layout uh, animation um, where you just hear all this racist shit, right? Like, people just... You know, you see this this young this young native girl surrounded. Um, you know, ki- other kids are calling her mom a drunk, uh, saying what my dad washes his car in those jeans. Um, you know, just really really taking the digs, uh, sort of and the classic stereotypical stuff. Out. Yeah, she just goes goes with the knuckles, and I, I appreciate the fact that 
after she punches him out, we then see the bruises on her knuckles. Yeah, that's like the first shot when it yeah. like changes from comic book mode to, to sort of in real life mode is you see the, the yeah, the bruised and bloody knuckles that she's uh, holding and she's she's drawn, she's an artist. Yeah. 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 So okay, so at first like this woman going up the steps to the school it was so obviously a school too. I was like, uh, getting all that anxiety. Also, can I just point out that I did not have to go to school this semester, and that's been the first time in many years. Ha ha. Sorry. I, I, did, ha, ha. I, I wrote my master's thesis this summer, and I had to go to school every day. This is her 20th year, and it's, I... It's my grade 20, everyone. No, man. I get, I get to just chill and watch all you guys get super stressed. Yeah. It's great. I'm thrilled for you. Thank you. All right. So who is this woman? Is it her mother? Is it... No, it's her sister. It's her older sister. Trying to look super respectable, right? Yes. And why? Really, really going in for the, the respectability here. Um, and she's sitting. Uh, she goes in, and she goes into the principal's office. Because has the book. Yeah. The, what was it? Tough on kids? Tough on kids. Tough on kids. Like, it's just so... And the, and the principal's just like, yeah, tough on kids. Tough I bet love. that's a real book. Oh, for sure it's a real book. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I have this theory that white people hate children, mm. and it's this kind of thing uh, where we're like, it's believable that there would be a book called Tough on Kids yeah. uh, that really, like, drives it home for me. No, no, no. I mean, this, okay, let's, let's, now that you've talked about that, I think we need to talk about that. The, the fact, this tough love thing, right, is all about, like, spare the rod, spoil the child, right? When colonizers came here, they were super upset that indigenous peoples were not disciplining their children in the way that missionaries expected, Right? Yeah. This was a big thing. And also just that they were, like, treating their children as people yeah. with, like, opinions that matter. With, with decision-making power. Yeah, autonomy yeah. over themselves and their bodies and what they wanted to do. How wrong. Yeah. Yeah, there's all sorts of, like, incredible uh, sort of, like, archival material where, like, pr like, priest journals and stuff where they're just like, I can't, like, these kids are way too happy. <laughs> they're so yeah. spoiled. They, they don't make their kids do anything. They don't like, eat I their children. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something they wrong. treat their kids too well. This is the worst. So, man. Anyway. anyway. So, anyway, this uh, school principal is clearly, clearly in camp uh, tough on kids. Nothing has changed. No. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and, and the sister's really trying to fight uh, for Callie, uh, who's the young one who got in the fight. Um, and she says, you know, she doesn't usually act like this. It's been hard since our parents died. Um, you know, I just got her back from foster care. You know, I, I really want to, you know, we're going to make this work. She, you know, she's trying really hard, right? And we saw this in Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. Right? The, the sisters. Yeah. And trying to keep the family together, right? In the face of tragedy and in the face of a state that wants to split Indigenous families apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, seriously, and especially in Manitoba where they take a newborn a day. So this is, this is, this, this, I actually, at the end, I was just like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. It was very... Yeah, if they had said Ohana means family, I would have lost it. <laughs> ah! All right, so then she she picks up Callie. Who's like, "Tan with with the with the principal say," and uh, she's like, "Speak speak English. My Cree's not very good." Yeah, which again, right? That respectability, right? Trying to take the indigenousness out of your family, and not because not even necessarily because you hate your own indigeneity, but because it's a safety mechanism, mm. right? Like, don't don't go around speaking Korean in a new city in, in a school where yeah, you're, you're getting get into fights on. where you don't, you know, you don't know anyone, you don't have that, you know, that protection around you, right? She like, even you says, need to act white. Don't, yeah, don't act like an Indian fresh off the reserve. Yeah. Like, there's nothing worse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so she's saying that uh, the sister says, uh, what's her name again, her? Lana? Oh, yeah, Lana. You learn at the end, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah Laura. The Laura. indestructible Laura, yes. Right, so she, she's like, I had to sell your art supplies to pay for a broken door. Yeah, and Callie's like, oh, no, the, the doorknob just came off when I uh, opened it. Yeah. Okay, okay Callie. <laughs> right, right. So Although things, maybe if that's her superpowers, she's super strong she's and buffer strong. Yeah. Yeah. So things are things are not great. Uh, things are rough. So Callie gets home. She's in her room. She's frustrated. She's got this sweet art all over the place. She's clearly a very talented girl. She's got all these superheroes on the on the walls and stuff. I, I thought they were kind of her as a superhero. Yeah, for sure. Which is sweet. For right? sure. I, I don't know. I don't know if any of you did that when you were kids, but you just like made up these like wild stories, kind of about yourself or about a character that is like technically not you, but like is very much you. Yeah, when right? you were kids. Yes. Um, so anyway, anyway, <laughs> uh, she puts on uh, the record player and she's got this map, right? So her reserve is outside uh, the pass, and she's got like this sort of like plan to get home, right? She just really wants to go home. And, I, you know, they obviously had to move to Winnipeg because of the death of her parents. Um, so she's got a plan. So she starts packing up. She's gathering her drawings. Did you notice April Rain Tree on the ground there? Oh, the my book? God. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was like... <laughs> um, and she's in the kitchen with her backpack. She's taking some food. She takes some, some money from her sister's wallet, but not all of it, eh? Yeah, she leaves five bucks. Yeah. Yeah. A crisp Laurier. She leaves her later. sister treaty money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but I mean that's actually pretty good. Like I, so I ran away once when I, uh, I was a kid. Um, you did. Yeah, I did. I was really mad uh, at my mom. Uh, my mom used to do this thing where she'd lock us out of the house all day during summer. We were not allowed to come in, and my brother and his friend were being really mean to me. My mom still wouldn't let me in the house. I was so angry, I decided to run away. I was not nearly this prepared when I ran away. I, I was not prepared at all, and I, I went into the forest behind my house and I sat on a log for three hours until I thought I had punished my parents enough. And then I came home. Did they even notice? They did, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, they did. They, they sent out a search party for me. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, I was a little, a little dick, a little asshole there. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, but after that, I felt like a, I had a little bit of power. I was always like, I could always just run away. Ooh, sorry. Uh, we're, oh God, where were we? All right. Oh, yeah, she's running away. She leaves the crisp Laurier behind. Mm. Uh, and so she takes to the streets of Winnipeg, which, you know, I think with, with everything that's gone on in the past couple of years, uh, you know, with, with what's coming to light about what's going on in Thunder Bay, what's going on in Winnipeg, and especially for young Indigenous girls, um, I was stressed. Yeah, it was super her. stressful. It yeah. was super stressful. Like yeah. young, young Indigenous kids, you know, in and out of foster care, wandering the streets of Winnipeg by themselves. Um, I think anybody, you know, who knows anything about what's going on there uh, is going to get get tense yeah. uh, watching something like that. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's I, dangerous. I think that may not come across for, for people who don't know that, but it, it yeah. was like definitely, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah, that makes sense, right? She's, you know, she's got her backpack. She's, she's just walking money, the city, she's whatever. She's around down the street, yeah. right? Like that shouldn't be, you know, that's stressful. You're yeah. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I never really, yeah. But it is. It yeah. definitely is. And so we see her sister is, uh, is woken up uh, by phone call. She's like, what do you mean? Callie's not in school. She finds her sister gone, uh, checks her wallet, sees the, the treaty money there, calls 911. Yeah, freaks out. Yeah. Um, I also noticed, okay, so she, had, she, had, she was wearing sweatpants that said Clear Lake mm-hmm. on, on the butt of the mm-hmm. sweatpants. And I thought that was awesome. And I think that we should get more Métis Nation of Alberta swag going. Because, right, because, like, 
you know, we got, we got our, we got swag, right? But like, I'm talking about like some branding here. I was thinking that that would be too many words for my butt, and then I thought about how big my butt is. I'm like, Métis Nation of Alberta would definitely. Yeah. Fit. <laughs> you only need one line. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Like, I'm, I could, actually want like underpants. Dingling, we you can know? even do it in Cree because Cree words are real long. <laughs> so we can just go. Mantusakai again, all across my butt. Yeah, that'd be great in syllabics. Yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm saying there's there's a niche there that needs to be filled. If there's somebody a niche wants to niche. get, yeah, that's right. Some we honestly, actually, this is a real issue for us. Is we need an indigenous owned and operated, yeah. uh, like like print fair, shop. Yeah, print shop that will do our swag. So slash just making M and A swag. Yeah, yeah, you know, no, like no, I want I want some. I want to rep. <laughs> All right. Okay. <clears throat> right. We're on. Uh, so where were we? Oh yeah. Okay. Called nine one one. She's wearing the great sweat. She called nine one one. Then we we uh, flip back to Callie. Callie gets skied walking out. down the street. Yeah. Yeah. She sees some dude gets a little skied out. Ducks ducks into a, a bookstore. Yeah. Good instincts, Callie. Like it. Uh, and it turns out it's a comic book store. And the 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 person working there is super cool. Did you see those glasses? Those glasses yeah. were like eight bit cool. I, I'm super. I, so one jelly. of the things I think this you know this movie. Uh, has it kind of the main um, moral of the story. But I think the other moral of the story here is we need more badass women working in comic book stores because I have never ha- in my life yeah. had a comic book store experience like that. Yeah, yeah. It's always skeezy Some white dudes. dude who's just like, what are you doing here? Yeah, or who ignores you or yeah. who hits on you. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not a good time. Ooh. Yeah. So, yeah, Callie just happens to go into the greatest comic book store in the world. Because there's cupcakes because the store's birthday also yeah. delicious looking cupcakes and there is thunderbird uh, this awesome comic book hero that's that's you know being displayed and uh she has weather control and her suit is a living creature yeah that listens to thunderbird and so like that's where she gets her powers yeah. oh that was so that was actually so cool that's yeah, a, yeah. i don't think that's a real superhero but i really want it to be yeah um, and, you know, this, this comic book store employee is so nice that she sits down with Callie and is, like, telling her about this comic book. Yeah, and then Callie's like, whoa, she's an Indian. Yeah. and From and, a reserve. Yeah, I'm from a reserve, too. And I was like, oh, my God. I know, I know. It was, books. yeah, yeah. And, oh, my gosh, it was something. Um, and then the, the person there is kind of like, you know, are you by yourself? And she lies about it, but... Like it's most teams, obvious. she's not yeah. a good liar. So she goes and calls nine one one. Okay, my only critique of this film is is the comfiness with the cops. Yeah, because and the portrayal of the police. Fuck the police. They are not our friends. And in many circumstances, when it comes to violence against Indigenous women, the cops are the perpetrators of this. So I'm like not down with cozying up with the cops, even in a cool film. Sorry, I love you, Sonia, but yeah. Although it was a great chance to have another Nietzsche, like, in a, in a role. Because yeah. it was a, it was a Nietzsche. But I also don't think we should be normalizing Nietzsche police officers, nope. obviously. Because you can... What was my really bad metaphor about the bathtub? I think I need oh a Oh, God, metaphor. I remember that. My, <laughs> my kid... Okay, okay, this is how my kids like to rebel. So my oh, teenager yeah. who, who uh, tried to run away uh, told me that she was going to become a cop. She's like, I'm, I'm going to be a cop. And I was like... You're just doing this despite me, and she's like, "What? Do you think I'm going to be racist?" And I'm like, "I'm like, no, yes. I don't. I don't think that you're <laughs> going to be a bad person. Like, Do you think I'm a bad person?" And I'm like, "No, I don't think you're a bad person." And then I just like on the spot, I'm like, 
But you know, policing is like a bathtub, and you can fill it full of cold water, or you can fill it full of hot water, but it's still a bathtub. And she's thinking, what, what the hell are you talking about? But, but I think that what Chelsea was trying to get at is uh, that policing has a very specific role in settler, colonial, capitalist, cis-heterosupremacist society, and it doesn't matter how good your intentions are, when you get in there, you are doing a job, and it is not the job that you want to do, it is the job that you need to do for the system, right? That's right. And this is why this You're is why the that whole, like, <laughs> there's just a few bad apples things doesn't work, right? Because for every bad apple, there is a supposed good cops who do absolutely nothing when they see the bad cops beating the shit out of Native people in downtown Calgary, where I grew up, um, or anywhere else. So anyway, anyway, sorry, we, we have a lot of feelings about whatever. Our, our, the guy who's assigned to us from CSIS is so tired of hearing this. <laughs> whatever, man. Uh, so anyway, so um, Callie, uh, so the, the comic book store employee goes off to call the cops. Callie, uh, I think also very smartly, um, just walks out the door with the comic book. Yeah. She, great, great instincts, honestly. Yeah. yeah. So she's like down by the river. She's got, she's got the comic book. She's eating a cupcake. Life is pretty good right now. And then she sees the Thunderbird's origin story. Uh, like, we're, we're sort of reading the comic with her. And it also involves a crash and some loss. And then suddenly, Thunderbird appears. Yeah, the, 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 um, the superhero Thunderbird yeah. uh, appears beside her. Um, and she's like, what, what are you doing here, Thunderbird? And, and Thunderbird says, well, the, the Thunderbird takes me where I'm needed. And, you know, he brought me here. So, obviously, I need to be here for a reason. And then... Um, Okay, and so this is this is the part that got me all like sad. She's like, she's like, I, you know, it was so important for me to read about somebody like me. There's nobody like me here. Um, you're, you know, but you're the Thunderbird, and I'm no one. And uh, the Thunderbird's like, no, no, no. Like I have my cookum. You have your sister. Like we're we're pretty similar. Like yeah, we're, you're you're not you're not by yourself. You yeah. know, and, and things might be really hard right now, but you got to remember that your older sister has also lost her parents, mm-hmm. and so you guys can be stronger together. So you need to go back. You need to you know repair this relationship so that you can move forward together. Yeah. So instead of this idea, like in in many superhero arcs, uh, the superhero is like very alone, and any sort of um, commitment or relationship with people is dangerous to those people, right? You think about that, like, uh, you know, those people are always in danger of, like, from supervillains and stuff like this. But I, I, I particular, I'm really delving into, you know, um, indigenous superhero identities right now. And I really, really like the idea that, that being a, an indigenous superhero means that you are drawing on your community, that you always have that support. And that's what makes you super, is, is the fact that you're always giving back to your community and they're supporting you. So that's a really different way of looking at, 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 uh, at superheroes, and I think it's something that um, that I'm seeing taken up more and more by Indigenous people. So that's just like that's versus you know this this loner you know Batman who's just got a lot of money and is like super like yeah just like beating up poor people yeah, and just a people who, with mental health issues. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, so the sisters in the comic book store talking to to the native cop, which um, also was like just deeply like that you know. I, I, I was, like, the Thunderbird, the native superhero appearing beside Callie was way more believable to me than a cop actually showing up. Yeah, right away. Yeah. For and a missing... I was in touch with the sister being, like, you know, this was probably... Your, why don't you come down? Yeah, and Because we respect you and want to keep you in the loop about this. In fact, I expected when she first called 911 for them to be, like, well, you know, she's just probably, like, 
you know, we'll get right on it. And yeah, then you yeah. get the scene of the cops like hanging up the phone and, and just never doing with it. Eating yeah. Donuts. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Kelly it's, walks in. It's, it's all fiction. good. It's uh, all good. Kelly walks in. Uh, her sister uh, attempts some not great Cree, but she she talks to her in yeah, Cree, which is super sweet. And, you know, she takes the piss out of her a little bit. Like, your Cree's so bad. Like, so cute. And like, then her sister's really... like, how are you going to get to the reserve when you're walking the wrong way? She's like, I'm only 12. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> and so then she's, you know, she says sorry about stealing the comic book. She tries to give it back. The incredible comic book store employee says, keep it. Save your money for issue two. Loved yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, as they're leaving, the cop tips his hat. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Uh, and then you get the incredible outro, right? The, the outro, uh, the narrative. Yeah. The narrative over voice uh, where they become the indestructible Laura, which I love that they gave Laura a role and a name. And I love that it's indestructible because she's the one who's going to be like holding it together in sort of a really practical sense for her family and for her sister Mm -hmm. from, you know, from that point onwards, right? She's the one who has to be sort of like the, always be strong, always have that strong face on. Uh, And then the invincible Cal. So you like, that was nice too, because then you know that Cal's going to make it in Winnipeg, right? Yeah. You know that she's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, so there were some really heavy themes. I mean, we sort of like we're trying to keep it light, but there were some really heavy themes in these in uh, in these films, right? Just sort of the the sense of loss, uh, environmental degradation, um, isolation, the idea of being cut off from family and community in in uh, in urban places, and sort of pushing back against that. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, like on. the like the authoritarian state yes in um, all of occupation colonialism yeah 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 and that actually that's that's true i think that's sort of one of of the the overarching themes yeah the things that bring all those movies together is that you know this idea that the system is not what's going to save us yeah you cannot you cannot count on anything but your family and your community exactly and then subverting your traditions how, how do you subvert it so yeah in the first one, we have sort of a technological takeover. You know, we've got good hunters who, you know, use their wiles to lure in this technology, and then they're going to turn the technology against the colonizers. In the second one, uh, you know, we have using, like, spiritual traditions uh, to, to, to sort of, like, you're, you're making alliances, even when you're not getting along, to, to deal with sort of the overarching violence that you're experiencing. And then kinship and community, um, even in in situations of removal and dispossession and loss. Yeah. So that's it's I, some you know this stuff was kind of like, mm, but it, ultimately I mean it's pretty redemptive, right? This yeah. is really about resilience. And also, this is the most we have seen Indigenous women speak. In anything we've in watched. Anything. Actually, we've watched from the lot. first movie, from the first, like, the first movie alone, The Hunter alone, Indigenous women got more lines than I think anything else that we've seen, and it was six minutes long. Yeah, we super weren't joking when we said that in, in all of the stuff that we've been watching, one of the biggest tropes is that Indigenous women do not have voices. And so the fact that these were directed by Indigenous women, starred by Indigenous women, um, you know, where, where all of the, the protagonists were women is very unique. And the fact that, I mean, these were all Indigenous made, and I think that that's, and made by Indigenous women, like that's, yeah. you can have, a, you know, that's that's the important thing too, is you can you can have all these great, like, male superstars, because it's really set up, especially uh, film and movies and literature is set up to sort of like, you know, lift up men. Um, what are the what are the stories that women and two-spirit people tell? Um, it's going to be quite different, yeah. so. And I think that's really important, right, because especially, you know, 
And right now we're in this era of quote-unquote reconciliation, right? We still got the TRC um, fresh in everybody's minds. We're getting those reconciliation dollars, right? Uh, but I think it's, it's really important to be very cognizant of where that money's going, right? Not just that it's going to Native people, right? Because, you know, there's already sort of the reconciliation industrial complex where white people are, are swooping in uh, to become the experts on Native people and to become the experts on reconciliation, indigenization, et cetera. Um, but we also, you know, we also need to be really attentive to the fact that it can't just be Native men that we're lifting up as our, like, the people that are do creating, you know, our media and telling our stories and doing that work. We need to be foregrounding everybody's voices, yeah. right? And I think that, you know, you know, I don't, I don't know who doles out the reconciliation dollars, but I'm sure, like, I'm sure it's not Native people doling out the reconciliation no, no. dollars, right? But, you know, this is something that I think we, we really do need to be pushing for, right? We can't, we can't just sit back and, and you know, like, I don't want to say, like, I'm not being insulting of our men, because, well, you know, like, we do. We already have, like, great filmmakers who are out there making big movies, right, telling big stories in a way that Indigenous women directors have not been able to yet. And even, I mean, even then, like, Jeff Barnaby, like, is not making good money. No, God. Like, our, even our men are making crap Yeah, money. I was going to say, but like, women are, like, you know, you know, they're living in Hollywood and yeah, yeah. multi-million dollar mansions, yeah. but you know, swimming in their pools. The, the, the sort of, like, marginalization of women to spirit people was very intentional, and so I think if we want to rebuild and we want to um, support our people, then we all also have to be very intentional yeah. about centering women and two-spirit people. Yeah, and I think, too, like, you know, I, I was talking about reconciliation dollars, but, like, you know, if, if these movies are saying anything, it's telling us we can't wait for a state that still wants to remove us and still wants to disappear us to be telling our stories, to be, you know, there to do that work. Right, like we need to be doing that work. We need to be the ones, you know, you know, crowdsourcing, funding, you know, billeting people, right, putting people up for the night, feeding people, you know, giving people the space and the resources they need to do the work, right? Yeah. None of these people are making big bucks like, no. from this. This is this is a labor of love. <laughs> yeah. So, and we can help with that, right? Like we can help with that in really easy, practical ways, right? Yeah. If, like even if we don't have any money, right? Got time. Right, Tracy was talking about you know the importance of time and what a gift that is, and that's so true. Um, you know, skills, right? Like, and anything. Yeah, just yeah. helping each other out. Yeah. All right, cool. Sweet. Okay, we are gonna rate this. I was thinking out of laser crossbows. Oh God, those I love the sweet. laser crossbows. All right, do you wanna do you wanna explain the rating system? Yeah. So the way that we rate our things, uh, we're rating them out of laser crossbows today. So five out of five laser laser crossbows means that they were incredible. You love them so much, you would watch them again in a heartbeat. They're maybe, maybe not good enough to show your cook them or your grandmother, but they're, like, pretty great. Yeah, we have a special cook them rating yeah. that I think we've only hit once. Yeah. Uh, and then one out of five laser crossbows, it was garbage. You would never recommend it to anyone. You'd recommend, actually, like, it's thrown into the center of the earth uh, to either... Actually, no, just to, like, disintegrate in molten lava. Yeah, 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 great. All right, um, I... scary yeah yeah i mean especially especially the awakening was very scary yeah. and i don't i don't know if my grandmother could handle the vr yeah yeah it's a little intense okay it's, okay although so not, i mean my grandmother's also kind of a badass like i don't want to say like grandmothers can't handle vr like let's be real grandmothers can do both just about anything okay uh, but uh obviously and uh, it, this might seem like no big deal to you guys, but you, you would have to hear the rest of our ratings. Uh, I'm going to give this five out of five laser crossbows because I flipped and loved it so much for all the reasons we've already explained. 
Um, and that is a very rare rating for me. I just want to say that. So yeah. this was this was many laser crossbows of awesome. Yeah. Uh, so overall, as a general average for the three shorts that we watched, I'm going to go for a 4.75. She never gives perfect marks. She's going to be a terrible TA. Just saying. Sorry. Sorry. Some of my students are here, actually, so they, they can attest. Um, but, uh, yes, I'm going to go for a 4.75. I loved it. It would have gotten a perfect rating except for the cops. The cops. Um, I mean, honestly, like, if, you know, I'm tempted to give it a 5 out of 5 just because Indigenous women actually have lines. You don't know what it's been like these past five years for us. One of the best, one of the best shows we watched was Dear Woman where a woman transforms into a deer and, and tramples shitty men to death from from the crotch outwards. Yeah, which is actually explicitly explained in the show. And it's so good. It's but so she good. has not one line. Not one. But she does have her boobs out the whole time. She does. Anyway, anyway that's, that's the state of things out in TV land these mm. days. Uh, anyway, so a 4.75. They were absolutely incredible. I would love to see every single thing both of these directors have made, honestly. Uh, I think that's going to be a bit of a goal. Yeah. Um, and check it out. Uh, some of this stuff is available on YouTube. And, uh, you know, like, you can arrange screenings as well. Like, if you know if you know somebody who's doing good, like, there's a lot of filmmakers around. And if you know that, uh, you can arrange to have screenings done and, like, get them, get them you know, up them. It's, yeah. it's like get more people to see their work. Yeah. yeah, so I think I think that's about it uh, for us. Thank you so much for joining us today on Odefemso Skoyawak Kitsikisaguk, Métis in Space. Space, 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 space. Odefemso Skoyawak Kitsikisaguk, Métis in Space.